you're going to find people that really know you and you're going to find fulfillment in that. It's going to be icky. It's going to be a process, but it is going to be worth it. And now. (laughs) Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sitting off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 146 of the Chris and Christine Show. Fantastic. It's great to get the band back together. I got Christine back here in the studio, live and in the flesh. Yeah, I heard that you tried to replace me last week. How'd that go for you? I actually went pretty well. You know, oh. John swing on by here from New York City. By the way, I flew him in here first class on the private jet. All right. Well, maybe you should uh, replace me permanently because it's like it's like when they got rid of Kathy Lee Gifford on the Regis and Kathy Lee show and she just was like burned and scorned and all of that stuff like. Are, are you just going to replace me? Am I out now? Is it now the All About Chris show? You know what? I got a show dedicated specifically for that. Actually, I got two shows de- dedicated for that. I got- oh, because it takes two to <laughs> feed your ego? It sure does. I have, of course, the world famous uh, K2 radio station, which is playing live 24-7 on the Live 365 app. You can find that at live365.com and, and uh, type in K2 radio. Thank you very much. And I'm much. asking you, is that all about you? No, what's all about me, I guess, would be the Podtastic Audio podcast, which you can find that uh, link to it right here on the Chris and Christine Show website, which is ChrisAngerstineShow.com. I know I'm throwing a lot at you right out the gate, but... Uh, yeah, way too much, Mr. Used Car Salesman. So my <laughs> point was, you replaced me last week. By the way, everybody, he did not ask how I felt about it. Chris just did it. I was gone. I was working out of town for the weekend and had family stuff. And I get a call from you that you decided to record an episode that I wasn't on. Is that the first one? I mean, there's been one where you had to fly solo, I think. just With, a, like with an, an interview I did because yeah. that interview happened to fall into a time where you were uh, out of town. Like or, and out of reach, like out of uh, internet accessibility. But this one, you actually like went ahead and replaced me. I will be very honest. I was not happy. You know what? I'm sorry. I really am sorry, babe. You know, like I thought for a second, instead of not doing an episode last week, I was like, what if I can have somebody come on? We can just, uh, you know, talk about different things and uh, just bring it be a fun, random episode. Not a normal episode. Just like a random episode. It's like if uh, it's like if the Spice Girls like got rid of Victoria Beckham and just said, like, we're just going to, you know, bring Anne Hathaway in as a Spice Girl Without even talking to Victoria Beckham. Or it's like if Brooks and Dunn weren't like a singing group anymore or like Brooks was like, hey, uh, instead of Dunn, we're going to have, you know, Undone is going to be our new singer. (laughs) Undone. And they're going to replace you. It's like, I don't know. It just... I appreciate that. I'm sorry. I'm finishing. I appreciate you were trying to get an episode out, but we had agreed that we weren't going to do an episode last week and it hurt my feelings. I'm so... So sorry. And babe. I think it hurt everybody else's feelings out there. Not to discount the guests that we that you had on the show, but um I think that the guests were hurt that you replaced me. Uh well you need to apologize. Even the, to them. Even the listeners were hurt, not the guests. The listeners. I mean, yes, the you know what I mean. Our no, audience. I yeah, okay. Our audience members, our listeners 
I think they were deeply hurt that you tried to replace me and make it all about you. It's the Chris and Chris show. <laughs> Basically my life, everybody. Welcome to the Smith household. Ah, well, you know, you know how it goes. So, so I, they're still waiting for an apology. I, I said I was sorry. No, uh, uh, we didn't actually hear that. I Listen, babe, I'm very... No, uh, listen uh, to our listeners. Uh, uh, okay, everybody, ladies and gentlemen of the audience and the jury... <laughs> of the world. <laughs> I am sorry that Christine was not available. What? That is not an apology. It's not that I wasn't available. You need to apologize. For you really, real apology. Come on now. Okay. Okay. I'll try. Here we go. That's so difficult sometimes. This is what I live through, everybody. <laughs> I am so sorry, babe, that I did not have a, uh, that I, that I tried to put an episode out Without you. Thank that you. I didn't keep you in the loop Thank of what was you. going on. I am so sorry. We all accept your apology, all one million of us. We Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. That means so much weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. I am now trying to grab our puppy. If you haven't heard, Clover the Podcasting Puppy is in the studio, and she's decided to chew on something that I don't know what it is, but you might hear her wandering around because she is our favorite little podcast mascot. She is a podcasting mascot of the Chris and Christine Show. She actually wears a little uh, jingle bell and says Chris and Christine Show, no, and she actually has her own little um, iPhone, and her favorite favorite podcast <laughs> is the Chris and Christine Show. She told me. You know what we need to do is we need to change our Chris and Christine Show Yeah. Our logo for the show and have a little puppy on there now too. Because, well, we totally can do that. You know, yeah. Hey, uh, I don't know if you ever updated the new iPhone um, update that came out like last week. I think it was. But one of the coolest new features of the new iPhone update is in your Photos app. Is that if you click on a photo, you could actually like crop out, like really clean, like crop out the image of the person or dog or whatever it is you want to crop out. And I've only noticed this only works with Instagram stories. But if you're building an Instagram story, like say you have your backdrop, your main image you put in there, you can now insert other images on top of it. And it looks very clean. Well, clean as it can be for an iPhone kind of job. But uh, you can easily put Clover, prop her out of whatever and put her into any image you want. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Well, you know, Clover the podcasting puppy. I would like to make her into an emoji. You know, we have our cute little bitmojis, but I need a little dog moji. Well, that's probably an app for that. I'm <laughs> sure you figure that stuff out. You're pretty good at that stuff. A pet moji. Pet moji Clover. Clover. So how has your week been? I know that you were gone for two weeks off the podcast. So where have you been? Babe? I wasn't gone for two weeks. Yes, I was you, gone for one. You were gone for two full weeks on the podcast. How was I gone for two full because weeks? Because this week and then the week you're off and the week before that. Um, I think you need help counting. But um, so how I am is uh, just busy, you know, keeping busy with work and with um, weddings. I mean, it's in the middle of San Diego's peak post summer wedding season why why is now like the busy time for weddings here anyways because our weather is really nice and not everybody likes to get married in the dead of summer when it's super hot and so september october november is like peak wedding because it's still sunny enough to where like when is the real like hardcore rain start happening we get, you can get rain any time of year really but most of it i think is like march and april but November's got some showers too, a little bit. You're, um, playing, a little with fire. Bit. You're playing with fire in November. You book a wedding. Um, I don't think so. I mean, it's just really nice. And it's always like our busiest seasons in San Diego for weddings. But I've been busy. I've had weddings and wedding stuff every weekend. And um, this coming weekend is no, or coming week is no exception. I have two weddings coming up 
And um, yeah, it's just a super busy time of year. And um, yeah, I've just been really busy with keeping up with all of my clients and then um, doing my consulting work. And I just keep saying and a lot. I, I don't know. I've just been, you know, keeping grinding. Basically, that's it. Well, so good to have you back. I mean, we all love you having back. And Clover here is in the room with us. And Clover here says, hello, mom. I love Miss. I miss you so much. I want you here. Yeah, she loves me so much. Don't pull on her, Chris. You just choked her. Oh my gosh! She's I, like, I, that was a choke. It's a love hug. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, how's your week been going? It's been very busy. I'm gonna pass Clover over to you here. It's uh, Clover's okay. over here now. Yeah. All right. Uh, Clover's with her favorite favorite person. She yeah. loves you more than she loves me. I think. You all know? right. All right. She well, tells me all the time. You know, every time I come home, like I look at Clover. I said, "We'll go check on Clover." And I see her, she's like, what? Oh, dad's home? Oh, okay. Here's the person that feeds me. Great. But when, when you come home, it's like, it's like trumpets and roses and the, the big parade and she gets super excited. It's like, it's like that thing out of every little like, what Disney fairy tale movie? I think it's Cinderella when they get married at the very end, and they have like sparkles and, and fireworks and, and uh, all kinds of stuff thrown in the air. They got a big wedding. It's a big celebration. <laughs> That's what goes through her head yeah. every time you walk in the door. Well, but not good. Me. At least for somebody in my life. Thank you. <laughs> well, how's your week been going? It's been going really well. You know, um, Podtastic Audio actually recorded two ep- uh, interviews back to back. Well, same week, I guess. Back to back interviews with two big names in podcasting. Oh, really? Who are they? Do I know them? Uh, maybe, maybe. I will tune in and find out. I can't give away all my secrets. Oh, all right. But uh, the first episode actually, it's actually out right now. It's with um, another podcaster that helps podcasters podcast like I do. And he's making a ton of money doing it. So he also was big into real estate too. He owns a bunch of real estate, like millions of dollars of real estate. Wow. And we're talking about that. And that was on the most recent episode as you record this, hear this, of Podtastic Audio. And the next guest I have on is a big name in the podcasting space. Uh, he actually created something called Pod News, which is a dedicated like like website dedicated on daily podcasting news for the industry. Okay. More, more of the indus- like nuts and bolts industry type of stuff. So he's been in radio. We talked about radio. It was a really fantastic episode. I cannot wait for it to come out. It's going to be next week's episode. So it got me thinking about doing a couple extra things for podcasters. And I was thinking like, because people always ask me like, hey, Chris, why aren't you like coaching anybody to podcast? Like, why aren't, why aren't People you? always ask you that? Like what kind of people? Other podcasters, of course, you know, they've always said, hey, you know, your advice is always so great. You know, I've always been number one. I like to brag that much. People you say know? that to you? Yeah, of course. You know, all, <laughs> all the time. So All the time. All these people. They do. And the funny thing is, is that like, like I don't like to brag, you know, but. I don't like to brag, but I'm going to brag. <laughs> but. Podtastic Audio has been number ranked number one for like five weeks running, and either dance, on good pods, right? Yeah, it's been dancing around number one spot for, under the classification for education and under courses. So, I'm, oh wow, my, my podcast is considered an educational course. I guess I didn't think about that. But. That's pretty cool. Do you ever think you'd be a teacher? Yeah, I did, but um, only for the cool kids, you know. Like, <laughs> I'd be like the cool kid teacher. You Except know? you love all the nerd podcasts. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I guess they are the cool kids. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so I thought about doing some coaching. I'm kind of uh, putting a whole package together where I could have other podcasters that were struggling with their show and want to make sure it sounded fantastic, like the one we, you're hearing to right now and all that fun, fantastic stuff. So I said, why not put a little package together and try to 
update a calendly account so I can have uh, schedule meetings with people. And um, that's cool. Yeah. So now, I do you actually work on top of this? Because it sounds to me like you've just quit your job in the last couple of days. You know, it may sound, it would seem like that, right? Actually, no, this is going to be, that's why I need the Calendly account. Now, if you don't know what Calendly is, it's a booking system that allows you to book guests or appointments or whatever you want. Oh, my word. I know. Christine, you act Christine like you're, act, you're, you act like you're such a pro in Calendly. And you, you taught me how to use you Calendly. You barely know how to use it, goofball. I you're do like, barely know how to use it. You, okay. You need to stop plugging stuff. Like right now, let's just talk. It's like the plug show? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like people are going to tune out and you're like. People aren't paying you. We're not being sponsored. Just sponsored by such them. and such. No. So like finish telling me about your week, like other than podcasting, because that's only like one fraction of your world. What else has been happening in your life with work and kids and family? Well, the other small fraction that you're referring to is I went to work and it was fine and dandy. I did that the entire week. And then the kids were here, took them to school. Actually, uh, you know, Jacob, the 12 year old, is in football. And oh, I didn't know that. You know, yeah, he's actually playing football. Not real football. It's flag football. Well, I mean, not like tackle football, but flag football, still real football. Right. So he had a few games. He won. He won uh, the last two games when he had practice and stuff. He's having so much fun doing it, by the way. And uh, it's kind of like it's fun watching him play because it's all flag football and they don't play. Oh, did you go see him? Uh, no, I had some video that was shot and sent my way. Ooh. <laughs> Okay. So, so anyways, they run across the field. Like their field is like diagonal. It's not the entire length of the football field. It's like a crosswise. Oh, okay. So it's much shorter. I don't know how many downs they do or how many like, you know, how, how it all works. But they don't cook, kick field goals. I heard they just um, run across and do touchdowns. And he, That's awesome. Super, what what position is he playing? Um, I think he said he's playing wide receiver. Oh, he'd I, be really good at that. Yeah, but they also play both sides. So when they do play, it's both defender and offense. So it's not like they've got a whole defense team or an offense mm -hmm. team it's all they play both right so he's super excited because he caught a couple interceptions that's amazing and i asked him do you run it back for pick six he said no what's I got a pick six a pick six is when you when it gets picked off by the defender and run back for a touchdown which is six points oh. pick six. Oh well i would have just said did you catch it and run it for a touchdown Instead of a you pick two Panera combo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyways, uh, he's super excited doing that. He loves doing that stuff. Yeah, that it, sounds great. He's uh, not so much into basketball like he was. And Mason, I asked him yesterday, I said, hey, he used to love soccer. And now he's not much into soccer anymore. Now he wants to play baseball and maybe some football. But he's like, soccer's boring. Nobody likes soccer anymore. Dude, you used to love soccer. Are you kidding me? Oh, well, you're so good. You know, kids grow up and they get into different things. But right now he's into Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, I did take him over to this new shop at the mall yesterday, and it's just like it's called Stacks or something. Stacks like stacks of cards or something like that. Okay, it's all like collectible like cards. We're talking like baseball cards, football cards, and a whole section of Pokemon cards. And let me, there were some cards in there worth so much money. Like they had behind the glass, you know, they had uh, some Pokemon cards that were like I don't, I think they were a couple thousand dollars a piece. That's so crazy. For a piece of cardboard. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess people have collected baseball cards for years, but those are like real humans with real accomplishments. And wait now a second. You're, like, saying, you're saying Pokemon is not a real person? <laughs> he's Pokey. It's not a, he's not a, he's not a man. It's not Pokemon. It's Mon, right? Yeah. Mon. What's up, what's up but Mon? The, car, the card I got Mason was like, I think I paid $12 for it at the. For a card. A well, single card. Yes. $12. Why did you pay for that? Well, the, he was supposed to pay you back. We're waiting on the money still. We're waiting on the funds for him to pay back. 
<laughs> did he have the cash in his hand? He, he did not have the cash in his hand. So he says, hey. So I'm, he just went to the bank of Chris? Pretty much. He said that he, I've got the money at mom's house. Okay, great. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to text your mom and say, hey, hey, I'll buy you the card, but then your mom, the Apple Pay me the money. So I sent her the Apple Pay request for $12. And have you gotten the money back? No, I have not gotten the money back. Speaking of which, I got to get back on that. Figure well, out some of that. I mean, that's on Mason. He owes you $12. Well, so you took them shopping. It sounds like you had some fun. Jacob's been involved in football. Um, you know, I haven't seen... Well, I saw Ezekiel actually last weekend. I was up there and I spent time with him. He was up with my parents. So they picked him up on Friday and he spent time with them on Saturday because there was a um, family baby shower for my niece, Jocelyn. Nice. And um, he got to hang out with them. And so then the next day on Sunday, I was throwing a baby shower for Jocelyn, but with just with all the ladies. So I didn't get up there to see him until, well, he was asleep on Saturday night when I got there, but I got to spend all day Sunday with him and gosh, he's getting so tall and he's a senior and he's doing so good in school. And he was such a huge helper to my parents with setting everything up. He was just, he's such a great kid. I just am so proud of him. I can't believe how big our boys are getting. I know. Like I was looking at Jacob the other day, actually today, I'm like, gosh, he's like, he's like getting like, I think he eats a lot of like protein though too. <laughs> you know, he's not like on uh Skittle diet, you know, some kids are <laughs> Skittle, Skittles and uh, Coke, but uh, he, he's, uh, he's getting kind of like, he's not getting big, like, like fat big, but he's getting kind of like, kind of like that. He's getting like, like he's hus- bulking up like, yeah. like he's bulking up, like he's getting strong. And right. I think that happens with kids is like the, they bulk up, they get strong, especially when they're in athletics and then they stretch. But you know, one of the things I've really been thinking about, as our boys have been getting older is like who they're hanging around with at school and how do we keep them finding like really good high quality friendships? Right. Cause right now they're in that zone where like Jacob's telling me he's got all these friends at school, you know, like, because like, I asked me the other day, how many friends you got in your, in your little group? Oh, only 20 years though. <laughs> I'm like, how is that even possible? How do you have like 20 friends at school or maybe it's 20 people he knows? I, I mean, 20 tight friends. I don't know. If that's I don't know. Yeah, but you know, speaking of friends, we have a great expert that's on the show this week who's going to talk with us about making deep and meaningful friendships, and we're going to be back with him right after this. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you. Offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services, let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality. Visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest that I am very excited about. He is a coach, a podcast host, and focuses on helping people create lasting friendships. Welcome to the show, Coach Lee Hopkins. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Chris, Christine. Hey, Lee. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well today. Fantastic. Did you enjoy your nice day. Did you enjoy your flight over here on our private VIP jet into the K2 studios? Oh, I've never flown such amazing <laughs> service before. It's it's been amazing. And the pilot pilot Jeff was was pretty good for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, five stars, five stars. Awesome. We're so you know, glad. We'll um, keep, keep him around. I keep telling him to stop doing loops with all the guests, you know, I mean, before they get here. Just show off. I, I don't get it, you know. Well, speaking of traveling, where are you traveling from over the airwaves to join us today? 
I'm in Chicago, Illinois. Ooh, Chicago. Yeah. Are you guys seeing a change for the weather in Chicago where it's slipping more into fall, real fall, or do you still have a heat wave? Oh, it's real fall. I think we had a heat wave a couple of, of days ago. It was warmer a couple of days ago, but it's starting to get cooler now. It's really starting to get fall-like weather. So. I was just going to ask that if you have actual seasons in Chicago. We're based in San Diego, and our seasons go from like warm to hot to cool, but the leaves never really change until they're just gone one day. But do you have that mm. like where the trees actually turn to like orange and yellow and beautiful yes, fall? it is so beautiful too. Yes, it's so beautiful. And you know, some people think that we don't have those seasons here in Chicago because people be like, it's hot and it's cold and that's all it is. But you have to really just pay attention. Just be mindful of it. The leaves are changing and the weather changes, but it. If you're paying attention to it, we'll see it. We'll see it. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've been to uh, San Diego before. And oh, I understand, nice. Like, yeah, I understand what you mean about how the weather just changes instantly. Yeah, definitely. So how long have you lived in Chicago? I've lived in Chicago for about seven years. Before that, I lived in the Central Valley in Chicago, in, in California, not Chicago. Central what? Valley really? So did, so did Christine over here. What oh, area yeah. were you from? So Modesto, I lived in Modesto area. Oh my gosh, I'm from the Fresno area. Welcome, oh. Central Valley peeps. The Fres yeah, hey, Fresno. I know, Fresno. Fres yes. Modesto was <laughs> much better. <laughs> oh, is, now, is Modesto closer to the coast? No. It's not? No. no, it's closer to Sacramento. Oh, yeah. what am I thinking? I'm thinking of like San Jose probably. Yeah, I think you're thinking of, yeah, definitely. That's like closer to Silicon Valley. But Modesto and Fresno mm -hmm. are more similar than we would like to admit. Ah, <laughs> yeah. gotcha. It's very true. So <laughs> it's just really hot. What led you to the move from the Central Valley all the way out to Chicago? Well, at the time, I had a job opportunity that moved me out. So I got promoted from my job and the headquarters was in Chicago. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm, I mean, this is the best place I've ever lived. That's amazing. What do you mm -hmm. love the most about Chicago? Well, the most about Chicago, because I can go on and on for real. Like I know <laughs> Chicago, people say it has a bad rap because of this, that, and that, but there's so much to see and so much to do. But I think the best thing I like about Chicago is the ability to get around. The transit is just amazing. Uh, do you guys have like those uh, overhead trains that run by, right? Yeah, we have the the L, the light rain train, yeah. light rail train. Yeah, we have that. Isn't wasn't the uh, Batman Dark Knight movies filmed there in Chicago? I believe. I don't. I don't know for sure, but I I've definitely seen some places closed off because of shooting, like filming. Right, of oh. course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah thank, you, uh, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> right. Filming. I think the movie While You Were Sleeping was based in Chicago. You know, that's what too. I missed. Sorry, I, didn't see <laughs> that. Was I, I, I was actually sleeping during the movie. So there you go. <laughs> okay, but now that you are a self-proclaimed Chicago, Chicagoan, 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 big I think Chicagoan, is Chicagoan. It. Big question for you is: There's always a debate about. Who in Chicago has the best deep dish pizza? What camp do you live in? If you were to pick a deep dish pizza place, who would you go to? Well, I would certainly pick Lou Malnati. Yes, that's what I thought. Okay, so you're on the same page. I know some people talk about Giordano's and some other places, but Lou Malnati's just original sausage pizza is where you need to be. It's it is so good. 
it is. I brought a friend here before. I mean, I brought a friend here, and they said that it was life changing. They enjoy pizza so life much, and they were just changing like, for pizza. It really mm-hmm. is, Chris. Okay, it is. Okay, is it really deep, deep dish where you have to need like a fork and knife to eat it? Like, <laughs> no, no. See, no deep dish doesn't need to be that way. It there's too much cheese, too much sauce, too much of this. It's just the right amount. It's just the right amount. The crust is really crunchy. And it's buttery and all kinds. The fl- sauce is so flavorful. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm <laughs> hot you're and bothered go, over here. Yeah, you're going to have to get some Lumalnatis. <laughs> I heard that they now ship internationally. And I was actually How is thinking it even about possible? it. It's like, I think it's like on dry ice, like, or not internationally, sorry. Okay. Uh, within the ken- the country, uh, cross nationally. That delivery driver's getting one hell of a tip. <laughs> let me tell you, if he's got to go drive that far. No, I think that it comes like frozen and then you have to bake it. But I'm. I don't know. I had Lou Malnati's one time when I was in Chicago and I was hooked ever since. And I dream of the day when I'll be able to come back and have some Lou Malnati's deep dish pizza. Yes, it is wonderful. So definitely highly recommend that pizza. Do you have any other favorite things that you enjoy doing in Chicago other than the transportation and deep dish? Oh, yeah. You know, Chicago has really great, um, the a great view of the lake. Mm-hmm. So I do like to go by the lake and I don't live too far from it. I live about 15 minutes away from it. So I can go to the lake and there's a nice path or a nice trail um, to walk down. People are exercising around it all the time. So there's lots of nature and stuff. There's um, some interesting drum circles that happen, which is really cool to see a bunch of people, different cultures and fun things. So I really just like to absorb the scenery and, that's my favorite thing to do in Chicago. They're like people watch, right? Kind of just like yeah. see what they're doing. Yeah. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of places. I always, I always say that if you ever go to a Disney theme park, it, talk about <laughs> di- talk about people watching. <laughs> yes. Because you get like that or maybe a casino. Because casinos, they don't judge. Casinos, they've got all walks of life coming in mm-hmm. a casino. Mm-hmm. You know, old, young. It doesn't matter. I mean, because every, you know, gambling is gambling. And I, I guess the same thing too with Disney. But those Disney people, they've got like tattoos across their arms of everything. I mean, <laughs> Disney tats are crazy. You must be different kind of people watching in Chicago. Yeah. So people are people everywhere, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's a really great city to live in. Now, do you um, live right inside of the city or in the suburbs? Oh, oh, I wouldn't dare say I lived in Chicago if I lived in the suburbs. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the underlining rule that uh, you have to live like inside the city limits to or like, you know, that's it's just, I guess it's just my own personal feeling because there are so many neighborhoods. Because when somebody tells me they they were born here in Chicago and somewhere, and I'm definitely not born in Chicago, but mm-hmm. I'm accustomed to people asking where what neighborhood they live in, and they're like, "No, I don't live in the city." But you just said you were from Chicago. <laughs> I thought we were going to be able to connect to each other. No, you live in Naperville, which is a little distance out. We live in a suburb somewhere. I'm like, I'm always sorely disappointed oh. when I hear people say that. So. I don't say that I live out of the city. I live in the Chicago city limits. Check that out. <laughs> now, moving cross country seven years ago, it seems like that would bring a pretty major life change. Did you have friends and family that were out in Chicago already, like a well-built network? Or was that something you had to start from the ground up? That was something I had to start from the ground up. And honestly, I've never had like really close, real deep connections with people. And I've moved many times. So I grew up in Ohio 
And I actually moved from Ohio to California where I stayed. So I moved, um, I was in California for, I think, five years. And then I moved to Chicago. But I really didn't have that many connections. So I ended up moving from Ohio to California with somebody. And then that fell apart. So I decided I would do it alone in Cal- and to move from California to Chicago with really nothing but the job and the people at the job that, that knew me. So I had to build a, a friendship, a network just by myself. It seems like it's really challenging now. It's funny that you mentioned that it was about seven years ago. That was when I also made a change from moving from Central California down to San Diego for a job and Mm. with no friends in the city. And my own personal experience was it was really hard for me to meet friends because my life was all about work Mm -hmm. and I wasn't like a bar hopping kind of person and I just didn't quite know how to make new friendships in such a big city. How did you go about approaching that? Wow. Well, I stumbled just as you did initially because everything was about work and I was hoping to make connections with people at work. But it turned out that my job wasn't in the city of Chicago (laughs) when I moved (laughs) to Chicago. (laughs) I lived in the city, but I had to commute out to the suburbs. That's like backwards. Usually it's the other way around. You you live in the suburbs and commute to the city. Crazy. Yeah, I know. And it was so crazy because I was hoping that people also lived in the city of Chicago, but most people, they worked in the suburbs and they lived in the suburbs, especially around the age I moved out there. And I was like in my early 30s. Mm. So it was even more difficult to connect with people. So um, after realizing that, well, I'm not going to be able to connect with my coworkers in a way because there was a huge age gap. Essentially, there were the people who already had their home and homebodies and a family and a life and stuff like that. Oh, right. Yeah, so yeah. like you said, hey, hey, Friday night, let's go out to the bar or something. And they're like, oh, I got the kids and diapers and soccer. Stuff. Yeah, soccer. Yeah. Exactly, yes. Soccer practice and stuff in the Saturday morning. They didn't have time for that. And then there's a other ones, other people, the other group were the ones who just graduated from college. And they're like, yeah, let's go to the bar on Thursday night. And yes. let's go <laughs> on Friday night and on Saturday night. And, and Monday. What are you doing for brunch? <laughs> no, yes. no, I can't hang with you guys. <laughs> I'm not with that. (laughs) Yeah. So what was the tipping point for you? I mean, I'm guessing since you're staying, you've stayed there that you ended up making some friends. How did you Mm -hmm. actually break the ice? Well, one, a couple of things. I'll I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the story uh, quickly. A couple of things I tried was to go to places in which I wasn't drinking. So Initially, I would go to the bars and stuff and just try to connect with someone over some kind of conversation like, oh, Chicago's great, isn't it? What you like about Chicago? <laughs> and hopefully that we'll find something, some way to connect, right? Right. Because yeah. that's, that's what I learned and I thought I was supposed to do that, but that just never worked. And so I decided, well, I would stop drinking alcohol and I'll go try to do something like a club-related event, like join a, a club. And I ended up doing... Toastmasters. I don't know if you're familiar with Toastmasters. Oh yeah, the public speaking. Yes, public public speaking. And um, I decided that I would just be everywhere with it. I enjoyed it so much that public speaking, there's like different uh, chapters or different clubs throughout the city. There has to be more than, there are more than a hundred. So I set this goal for myself to visit a hundred clubs within a year because it's in Chicago, so there are so many here and there and everywhere. Wow, and I, met- I can't believe there's 100 Toastmasters clubs in Chicago metro area. That's crazy. Yeah, there's there's so much more. There's so much there's so so it was just amazing and I, I set my goal to do that because I'm going to meet somebody with the same kind of 
you know, idea, the mindset, right? Everybody likes public speaking. We'll have a, a place to connect. And Toastmasters has like, um, the, if you visit one club, you visited them all mm-hmm. because essentially they have like the same kind of setup. Everybody claps for everybody, greetings and stuff like that. And so I felt at home with every club, but I still just couldn't connect with the people because outside of the club, I really didn't know them and I couldn't get that friendship created. Mm. So although people knew me, they didn't really know me, know me. So right here, I figured, well, there's something that needs to change in this. And um, I ended up dating somebody who told me I needed to go to counseling because I was the problem. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, they told me. And I believed them because I had no sense of my own self. Mm. And that was the key. So I learned to to be more mindful of myself in this process of, of finding friendships. And that was the thing that I needed to really make friendships. So I was wandering around from, let's say, Ohio to California to finally Chicago and wandering around in the second largest city and not being able to find a friend, someone to connect with, well, the common denominator is me. And it was the lack of sense of self. That's what they always say. They say the common denominator is you. If you, Yeah. I mean, I've been told yeah. it myself too. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's me. You ever seen these um, on, I'm on TikTok a whole lot. And I, I saw this video where someone like looks at themselves or looks at their friend and they say, oh, I found the problem, the problem to all of my problems. <laughs> and they look at a mirror and it's like, oh, it's me. <laughs> wow. It's like, yeah, that's that was my epiphany. So I had that. And so um, I started to learn more about what I wanted to do, like what I really enjoyed. Because I discovered in therapy that, well, I was just a person who was a blank template. I would show up at places and not really have any opinions or thoughts about anything. And that was because I didn't want to be rejected. Mm, that makes a wa- lot of sense. Yeah. And so- I realized that I was a people pleaser and nobody likes people pleasers. That really, for really, really I've discovered that. What's that? You, you're saying people don't like being pleased? Like people pleasers? People they don't like pe- people pleasers. So what, yeah. do you, what do you mean by that exactly? Like why would somebody not like somebody else that would want to please them? You know what I'm saying? Because, well, the people pleasers essentially – I believe that they have a mindset or I'm going to speak from my experience. I had a mindset in which I really didn't care about what I was giving the other person to make them happy. I was just trying not to be disliked. So if they told me that they wanted a specific action from me and I was unable to do it, then I would be frustrated and I'd be angry. But if it was something that I was able to do, I'd be more than happy to do it. So they wouldn't know what kind of person they were getting from me. And also, if they asked me for something particular, specific, that they say, hey, I want to do this. And if it was not my in my capabilities, then I wouldn't. So they wouldn't be pleased in the first place. It wasn't about what they wanted. It was about me giving them something that I hoped that they wouldn't reject me for. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So is this something that had followed you your entire life, like as long Mm -hmm. as you floated back to remember your friendships? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it sounds like, I mean, if if that's the case, because I think of in environments where I have, I find myself shifting into that people pleaser role, I don't feel fulfilled in those relationships. I feel like 
I'm showing up, I'm saying what needs to be said, and then kind of like walking on eggshells so that everybody mm-hmm. likes me, but mm-hmm. then also feeling not truly seen or heard, and then getting frustrated about that. But then, like you're saying, it's really comes back to you because you haven't allowed people to know you. So is that something that exactly. you can empathize with? Exactly. It. I mean, you have captured my entire experience right there in those sentences because that's exactly what I was doing. I just wasn't aware that I was doing that. I was just so afraid of being rejected. But I believe the cosmic joke is that I felt like I was doing everything to have people around me so I wouldn't be alone. But essentially, I was alone because I didn't give anybody anything to know about me. Mm. And so just discovering that about myself was huge. So then I had to go on the journey of learning more about myself and what I wanted and what I wanted to do. And a lot of people talk about self-discovery and that's it. That's what why we need it. That's why we need it. So in that self-discovery, because when I'm thinking back of those moments when I've tried, I've like shifted into that people pleaser role, what I think goes through my head is like, if I'm, if I was to analyze my own self-talk, it's I'm weird. Like people aren't yeah. going to get my weird and yes. they're going to find out that yeah. I'm so weird. Uh, sister, you know. And they're going to find out that I'm so weird that they're just going to not want to be around me. So it's easier for me if I go along with X, Y, and Z so that I'm accepted so that I don't risk the rejection because people think I'm too weird. Like, did you, th- was that kind of your self-talk or what was Absolutely. going through your head? Okay. Absolutely. I laugh because I'm like, you are saying the words, you are in my head. You're saying the exact same words because we have that sensation. It's like somebody is going to, somebody is going to not like me and I just can't have that. I have to, and we all go through this. This is what I discovered that we all go through something like that. It might be that whatever it is, is too complex and you have to explain it to them and you're frustrated because you have to explain it to them. You're going to look weird because you like this thing and they don't like it and they don't understand it. And you don't want to talk about it. You'd rather not even go through the process of opening your mouth to explain anything to them because you have to go through this whole rigmarole. Right, it'd just be yeah. easier if somebody just understood what you were saying. But these people aren't it. Right. And I'm too afraid to figure out where to find those people that will actually like me. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like there's another side of that too. There's those that think that they're too weird, but then there's the other group of individuals who may have endured a lot of trauma or heavy stuff in their life. And they think I'm too much. My baggage is too much for anybody else. So it's easier for me to keep things shallow and surface level so that I don't have to let you know. Um, Oh, it was, what was the it was in this movie called One Fine Day. It was George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer. And they talk about their deep, dark chocolate layer. Like mm. <laughs> it's too much. My deep, dark chocolate layer is so deep that like I can't let anybody else see it unless they also have a deep, dark chocolate layer. But I, I have to figure out if they have it or not. And it becomes these like surface types of friendships where you don't go deep. And did you find that that also right. had a role to play? Right, right. I absolutely believe that that is absolute truth. I think that we have to go through that process, though. And even though there's trauma there, everyone's, what I discovered is that everyone's not entitled to see that deep, dark chocolate layer. Everyone doesn't get to see it because people don't have, not everybody has the emotional capacity to handle that. No, not everybody can hold space for how intense that is. They don't Mm -hmm. have the feels to, or the skills to, to know that. 
And it's not therapists, just therapists that can do that for you. It's true friends that can really create that friendship for you and be that. So you always want to share whatever it is that is inside of you. We're always going to have a desire to do that with at least one person. And so discovering that about myself um, and discovering that about others as well, I've worked out something that helps people create that that space. Because I went, a, I was going around in the people-pleasing phase believing that I needed to fit in with other people. I needed to make sure that I would just fit just right or give them what they need is figure out what it is. Don't say the wrong thing. Don't say the weird thing so that they will like me. And then I flipped the script on that and I come up with something that helps us show our ourselves, ourselves, not the deep, dark chocolate layer, but at least something that's important to us so that we can gauge the other people's reaction to us to see if they fit with us. That's a really unique perspective because I, it sounds almost like you're allowing people to audition to be your friend instead of automatically Mm -hmm. assuming that you're going to be friends with everybody and friends being like the quote unquote friends, you know, the acquaintances Mm -hmm. or, you know, I think that That's like awesome. Oh, what was that? Go ahead. That is that is awesome. I mean, I like the auditioning thing because I believe that is actually it. And if if I could share, I'm I'm fine with sharing exactly what I mean. The the steps to it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so when I believe when we talk to people and we're connecting, we're looking for people that are like us or that can hold emotional space with us. We're looking for people who know us and who are like us, like you and I, we have a pretty cool connection right here because you can understand my experiences and you right. keep reflecting back. You're just like, you're in my head. So you understand that we're looking for people like that for us. And the only way that we're going to find those kind of people is to share stories about us. And it really clicked for us in this podcast episode when we were talking about, you know, being in, um, being a people pleasers, um, moving from California, those things. I started to tell you stories about me and you could see yourself in those. You can reflect those. Right. And so what I ask my clients to do is share stories, but these stories have to contain four things. They have to contain four things and I call it the gist method, the J-I-S-T, the gist method, where you share something that is joyful. Your story must be joyful because when you share something that's joyful, you're going to invoke joy in the other person. I mean, that's the emotion that people gravitate to. What about if it's uh, funny? If it's interesting, but yeah, go what, ahead. Yeah, the difference is what what happens when people cross the line and it goes from joyful to more like bragging. You know, when uh, if I were to tell you a story that's bragging, no, I'm saying like you said, when someone says something that's very joyful, you meet somebody for the first time, it's telling you something very joyful, but for some people, it may not become come across that way it may come across kind of like they're they're bragging about something and they, that's a great question you know yeah that's, that's a great question chris because if i'm being joyful i'm just saying like from my point of view if i'm sharing a story that's joyful but the person in front of me is hearing something that's bragging yeah then we know that we're not going to be a great connection right mm. at the best so step one right out of the, they're done <laughs> yes exactly and truly the other the other pieces make make it more solidified but you will definitely know, like, if they're not sharing the joy, if they're reflecting back another emotion at you, right. if they're angry at you for sharing this, if they're shaming you for sharing your story. Jealousy, it happens Jealousy, too. yeah. Yeah, goodbye. You are not getting the part as my friend. There you <laughs> are. You're off the stage. Cut. <laughs> Here comes the hook. The hook. <laughs> You're off the stage. And so the, the second piece of it, the gist, so the J is joyful. The second is important. It's I important. The story has to be important to you because you want to show something. You want to show like it's not a 
benign instance. It's something that kind of shaped your life in a meaningful way. So when my move from California to Chicago shaped my life in a meaningful way. I'm, and it's a joyful story. I can willingly share that. You know, so knowing those things about yourself and sharing them with another person, well, then you'll see how they'll respond to you. And well, this is a joyful, important story to me. Well, looks like you're not getting a part still. But then it goes into the next piece, which is the S, which is secure. So joyful, important, and secure. You got to be secure about your story because they may be jealous of you. They may try to shame you. But if you're secure about it, it shows that you're comfortable and you know how you feel about this story. No matter what they say, you're okay with it. And it really helps in creating those kind of friendships that are that are solidified because you're not looking for approval. You're looking to see how they feel about your story. Gotcha. You're looking to see how yeah. they feel about you. Yeah. And so you want to be secure in that. No people pleasing. No up. Uh, none of that because it's a story about your life. And it's very com- confidence too. Like you come in yeah. with some confidence and, and tell them, you know, exactly mm-hmm. the, the truth. And don't lie. I guess the big Absolutely. thing is don't lie. Don't mm-hmm. don't lie. Don't say I walked on the moon yesterday. Don't say that. <laughs> I mean, you got to like, be real. You know? <laughs> See, Chris, you're right on the same page as me because the last one is the T and that's the truth. There you, you gotta go. You got to make sure you sell the truth. Yeah. Tell the truth about who you are because that's what you want. You want to see. So this is a prompting. The gist method is a prompting to see if they're able to even get to that chocolate layer. If they can't get past your regular benign story about you moving across the country, then there is no space for them anywhere else. I love that so much. And I was thinking through conversations I've had with people, like when we first meet and I think, oh my gosh, like they might be a really cool person for me to hang out with. And Mm -hmm. It really is telling when you start to share stories about your background of like, for me, it's overcoming my, like my starting over down here in San Diego. Normally when people ask me, they'll ask me about like my tattoo. I have this tattoo on my wrist and it says she is fierce. And they're like, oh, well, what does that mean? Well, when I tell them that story, it really does follow your gist method because I was really excited to get my tattoo. It was Mm -hmm. important to me because it was like a stance against uh, coming out of an abusive marriage and that where I was forbidden to get a tattoo, it was like my overcoming and reclaiming my life. And then the S part was secure. Like it was me being secure in, you know, leaving that relationship and sharing my story of overcoming domestic violence and speaking that truth. Mm-hmm. And there's some people that can't handle that. Like there's some people that are like, wow, that's a lot in a tattoo. And I'm like, you're right. And like, yeah, (laughs) it is a lot in a tattoo. Uh, You didn't react how I wanted. That's not going to be a good match. But then there's others that are like, that's so powerful. I relate to that because of my background, X, Y, and Z, or, you know, and they can kind of connect. And I think of those are, that's actually helped me establish some friendships. But on the flip side, it's also helped me weed out some other people that don't have a right to hear my stories. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm I'm sure that if you started to talk about some things that have happened in your your previous marriage, because somehow they might just come up, they'd be like, "Why did you do that?" Or, "Oh right, you know, why didn't like you leave? Why didn't yeah, yeah, those yeah. kinds of things." Yeah, that's not very comforting. And then right. I get to get and imagine, just imagine if we just opened up and and showed people our chocolate layer so quickly and easily, and people like that got into it. That's just so much more damaging. It'd be like a kid like on their birthday when they give them that first cake and they just make a mess all over their face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except it wouldn't be a good tasting mess for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think about that. Sometimes friendships can be really messy when you get like 
a lot of friends at a surface level that you haven't really let know your true self is when you try to go deep and they're not prepared for it or you have a misaligned friendship, things get messy. There's drama. And then for me, it's like I isolate and I try to get away from it because I, I just don't have the mental capacity. But don't you have to have kind of, kind of have cues on when you should actually go to that deeper level? With it, with the people, with a friendship, yeah, like, like, you shouldn't just like drop out, like, hey, how you doing? I'm so and so, and I did this, and it's something crazy, you know? And like, what? <laughs> what? I just want to ask you for breakfast. I didn't know you were to tell this whole story about your background. <laughs> you know? I mean, you bring up a really good question. So, Coach Lee, like, for individuals that might be struggling with finding friends or making friends before they can get to the gist method, how do they get out of their shell and start? opening themselves up to meet new people and taking that risk? All right. Well, yeah, that's a great question, honestly. And I've developed something awesome for that too, because I went through this whole process and I really love uh, just things that have alliteration. So I, I tell people to search for or know three things about you. Talk about your history, your hobbies, and your habits. You want to know those things about yourself. And you want to you make a list or or something to, to know what's important about those things to you. You want to focus on what's the most important about them. So your history is essentially your identity. What are the things that you've gone through? How do you identify? Like uh, you asked me what my pronouns were, things like that. You want to know what those things are. And you want to be in spaces in which you can talk about those places. If you are a queer person like I am, you want to talk about that then you make sure that you go to spaces in which you can talk about it. So then mm. if there was something that related to that problem, you'll make friends that will allow you to speak about it. There will be no mistake because that is something that's very important to you in your life. Mm, good and point. then your hobbies, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was saying, I said good point. Yeah. Yeah. And then your hobbies, those things are important to you, the joyful things. Like I like this idea of joy. You have to be able to express joy because that's the thing we always want to do. We're always looking to seek comfort, to seek, hap seek happiness. We're looking for that. And if you run into somebody who doesn't show that they're interested or appreciate the thing that you appreciate, if you're always trying to drag them into going to board games, like I love board games, so I go to places in which I play board games. I could never be connected to somebody who always says that you're wasting your money, you're wasting your time on board games. They don't celebrate the happiness for me. They don't understand why I want to do it. We can't be friends. So knowing that stuff about yourself is off the top. You need to know your history, your hobbies, and finally, your habits. Those are those things that you do on a daily basis, the things that make up your lifestyle. If you're getting up at 5 a.m., and you connect with somebody who's going to bed at 5 a.m., you clearly have different lifestyles and it's going to be hard for you to connect. If you're a go-getter, you're working 13 hours a day and you connect with somebody who's working four hours a day, you're going to be disappointed when they can't connect with you because they're so busy. They're so busy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so knowing those things about them, you know, you're looking for those small things, but it really will add up in the relationship or your connection with them as a friend because you'll you'll know if they're emotionally available for you or they're exhausted because they're at work all day or you and you want to talk about the things that happened at work like if somebody was working a 13 hour day and they were talking to somebody who worked a 4 hour day they'd be like dude my day is so exhausting i'm so tired well really i would i didn't really do much today i just had a really <laughs> chill day we won't we won't be able to relate to each other it's going to be hard to so I tell people to look for their history, hobbies, and habits, like focus on those things, know those things about yourself and what's important. And to do that, 
I recommend journaling, reflecting back on your past experiences because the truth of who you are, who you are and how you behave and all that stuff is it's in your past. It'll show up for you. I think that's really true. And one of the things that I've been thinking about as we've been talking through uh, the GIST method and then the history habits and what's the third one? The, the history hobbies and habits. History hobbies and habits is if I'm somebody listening to this right now and I'm feeling very lonely and feeling like I don't have any friends, this sounds like a whole lot more work. And if I'm that person that's listening, I might be thinking, why do I even try? Like it's, it's easier to just be my own best friend than to go out and like risk it and try to make new friends. What would be your message to them? Wow. Well, I would say definitely you have to be your own best friend first before you can connect with anybody else. So I would say kudos to you for thinking about taking time to know more about yourself. This isn't really for anybody else. Everything is just for you to learn yourself. Because when you do this for yourself, when you really get to know yourself, because that's that's been my experience as a people pleaser, starting to learn more about what's important to me and not considering what other people around me want me to do or how they want me to think, but just knowing what it is for myself, becoming my own best friend. I started to go out to places that I liked and did things that I liked and found that I was just talking to people about something that I enjoyed without any pressure. And the conversation was effortless. And the connection was effortless because I was just being myself. And that's how I made my friends. It's not about going out and intentionally trying to target friends in this case. It is really just being yourself. And the people around you will be the people that are like you. And you'll find that being friendships is, is not forced. It's easy. Right. So, uh, Lee, what do you say about the kids that are, uh, say, maybe peer pressured into falling to one group or another? Usually girls, the mean girl group or the bully groups, you know, at school. Why are you going to point fingers at his girl? <laughs> well, okay. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, like, 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 like my son, uh, my oldest son is uh, 10 years old. What is he? 12, 12 years 12, old. 12 years old. Oh, my goodness. He's 12 already? Oh, my goodness. So he's 12 and he's in uh, seventh grade now. And I think seventh grade is you start finding more of your cliques and more of your friends friends and your groups and your buddies and he brags he's got like so many friends he's a cool <laughs> kid in school i don't know there's a bunch of goofballs but um i was just wondering when kids that are in that age i mean in school it's when you really hang meet your friends or make your friends really but it can be so difficult for kids you know like mm-hmm. like some either go with one group or another or be forced to go to a group they don't really feel comfortable with i think that was a plot line of mean girls wasn't it like that girl couldn't, she wouldn't fit in with a mean girl group. But right, Katie. They, but they made her go into the group anyways, but, or something like that. Well, I mean, <laughs> she, got, she kind of got the, you know, shiny object syndrome by, you know, being with these popular girls who wanted her because they thought she was cool, but it wasn't a fulfilling friendship for her. It was like this destructive friendship. And so mm. I think that that's something that when I think of teens and I think of how they're conditioned to start building friendships is... There's so many signals out there to be in the popular crowd and to get into this friend group or that friend group who really aren't focused on who you are as a person necessarily, but what value you add to their life in terms of, you know, street cred or labels. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so (laughs) it seems like our kids start to learn from a pretty young age, this pattern of 
less than fulfilling friendships or having to show up a certain way to be accepted. So how do we as parents help switch that mindset for our our kids as they're out there facing this right now? Well, that's a really great question, both you and <laughs> both from both of you. And uh, if I could just dodge it for a quick and, and go back to the 10 and 12 thing, you know, like, you know, the pandemic has taken two years of, from everybody. So don't feel bad about the <laughs> the 12, the 10 and 2, the 12 thing. But anyway, that was a bad joke. But uh, I'll go back. I'm going to go back to that and just preface it by that. I don't have any kids. And um, I would, I'm just speaking from the experience that. I would have liked or to my parents to show for me and to help me build that sense of, of self. So I discovered my sense of self in my 30s, late mid mid to late 30s. I really started to come in to understand more about who I am and what I want. And one of the key things that allowed me to feel more comfortable and secure in who I was was somebody telling me that whatever I experienced was valid. So how I felt about things in the world was real and it was true and it was okay. So I, I would be more mindful of how I felt about the experiences that I was having. So for example, if people were saying that um, everything is right and I'm saying it's wrong, I would be conditioned to follow the crowd because no one has told me ever that what I'm feeling is wrong and it's okay. And it's okay to feel that way. Right. So going against the grain or going against the group, I don't have I wouldn't have a stand a, I wouldn't be able to stand a chance because everybody said this is right, so I need to do that right thing even though inside it didn't feel that way. So if the group is saying we need to go this way, we need to do this thing, but personally I don't feel that way, I never developed the skill to say no. I didn't have the language, I didn't have the awareness that it was even possible. So I think what our our uh, parents could do for us is to tell us, to listen to us, and to help us put words to the feelings that we have about the situations that we describe to them. So if I describe the, like, I don't want to be with these people, or I don't like what they're doing, then how does it make you feel when you do these things? Mm -hmm. Because it's just to give us ourselves awareness that, oh, we're betraying ourselves. We're not doing the thing that really feels genuine and good to us. And because we're doing that, we're showing up as a fake person to these people. They're not going to be our real friends. We're not going to be happy. But I won't. we won't know that until we discover how we feel about the situation. So, um, I think that's super wise. And I'm listening as you're talking. I don't know if I had, well, I know for a fact, I didn't have that awareness that I needed to be my own best friend as I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And so I would easily compromise on things that, I, I mean, you literally just, I had a light yeah. bulb moment where you're talking about betraying yourself. Well, things that betrayed my own values and the way that I was raised and what I knew was right and wrong. And in the pit of my stomach, I would do things that I felt like, I know this isn't right. And in my head, I know this isn't right. And this doesn't feel good. But the reward is going mm -hmm. to be acceptance from my peers. Absolutely. And I would get new friends from it, mm -hmm. or I would get to solidify friendships or finally be into the quote unquote in crowd. When I walk away from it, that whatever that situation was, and 
you know, I did it. I'm still mm-hmm. not accepted. And on top of that, I don't feel good about myself. And so then yeah. it just makes you feel more and more lonely and isolated and rejected and like a failure. I, absolutely. And, you know, I found myself rolling my eyes at the people that I was connected with. Like, man, if you just, you're, I just don't agree with anything that you're saying. I don't like anything that you're saying. Also, I'm judging them all the time because I'll co- I, I want to be not alone, but I really would like to express how I feel about the things that you're doing. I don't like them. I think it's stupid. And I think you're stupid and all that. I've always, I've had that resentment towards them because I directed it like, well, you're not letting me be myself. You can't understand the things that I'm saying. You think I'm weird, but I'm awesome. But I'm not going to tell you that because I'm afraid that you're not going to think I'm awesome. <laughs> right. I bet, I bet it gets even harder if it's like, say, a coworker that you may see on a regular basis who has those kind of like, you're trying to connect with your coworker, you know, like you're saying, but then you're like, gosh, you know, like, mm-hmm. like you, you're with them so long throughout the day and you kind of want to tell somebody else the things you like about that person, yep. <laughs> you know, but you're with that person. You're trying to, you're trying to, I mean, I know the thing, you're trying to connect, but you can't, but you kind of feel like you're forced to because you work together, you know, or mm-hmm. something like that. So you can't have awkwardness of it, you know, but they it's do have just, rule. They do have rules about that. There's an HR, <laughs> um, big old uh, thing on HR I had to do about um, harassment and things like that. But I guess it falls into that situation really. Yeah, it's just so it's it's so like it betrays your values essentially, and you don't value the things that you're doing. So you're just like, oh, this is not me, but I'm here because I believe I need to be because somebody has told me that it's worth it to be around these people, and somehow I believe it, and so you do. Yeah, you know it's so funny as you've been talking, I've been floating through like my memories of friendship growing up, and I remember this one instance. You're gonna get a kick out of this. I remember I was in eighth grade and I had this friend. We had been friends since like third or fourth grade. Um, but in middle school, my mom told me that I was falling in with a bad crowd and that she didn't like the, the bad crowd. Yeah. Huh? She wow. didn't like the person that I was. Girls. Yeah. yeah. Well, she didn't like the person that I was becoming when I was around them. So she started to come to my school to do um, parent patrol, which is they'd actually give her a walkie-talkie. Oh, that's, that's cool, you got to be the cool kid if your but mom does parent patrol. But you've got to listen to the story. I mean, there's more to it. So first of all, that's a dedicated mom to be like, you're not being your best form of yourself and I'm going to see who you're hanging out with and we're going to put a stop to this. But of that crowd that I was hanging out with, that I was just going along with whatever they were doing – there was this friend who I'd known since, you know, we'd been in Girl Scouts together all growing up. And I remember one day at lunch in eighth grade, she confronted me and it was our whole group of friends. There was like these five girls. They were kind of like gothic emo. And she like, she's like, I don't know if we want you to hang out with us anymore. And I was like, what did I do? And she's like, you're so fake. And I was like, what do you mean I'm so fake? And she's like, you don't even like, you just go along with everything. You don't have an opinion. Like, you don't even think for yourself. Like we want you to be who you really are. And I was like, well, if I'm that person, she might not fit in with you. Cause I like who I really was, was like this very conservative church girl. And like here they were into like, uh, the doors music and like talking about the movie days and confused. I love that movie by the way. Yeah. So like, that's (laughs) what I, that's how outside of my norm I was. And I remember that moment and it was funny because my mom was on parent patrol that day and she looked at me and she was like, Christine, like my mom did. And she's like, Christine, because she knew I was hanging out with the kids. I shouldn't. And I just walked away. And I I didn't really hang out with that group ever again. But it was like that realization of, oh, my gosh, I am being so fake right now. And 
this is so far different from who I am, but we just get into these patterns of trying to find connection wherever we can and trying to find acceptance wherever sometimes it seems easiest. And I don't know if those patterns change when we're adults that we just, I don't think so. I think, I think when you get adults, you start to like, it starts to become more of like, what can me hang out with you benefit me? Like, oh, you got a cool boat? Oh, I like I like boats. <laughs> but that's <Yeah>. easy. <laughs> oh, oh this, well, sat- I'm free Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> you got to sail? Okay. Or, or we oh. just kind of limit ourselves to our spouse becoming, I mean, our other best friend, which is definitely great, or our partner, significant other. But, but I also, mean, yeah, you need somebody, you need somebody in your life to talk about your spouse to. And always in any any relationship, any relationship I've been in, I like I've left all my friends to get into my relationship and be with my relationship. But then when I have an argument or a disagreement or I need to see something in a different light, I don't have anybody else to talk to. And we need somebody to talk to yes. about that. We need somebody to talk to about it. Like, um, what do you think they would like? Or if they if this and that, they need to know enough about us and our experience with the other person that we can trust them. We need to develop something like that with another person because our spouse cannot be everything to us. They have a, a they have a whole another life and other things that happen with them that they have to deal with. They have their own patterns of behavior to look at. Uh, comment on that curiosity about how the pattern will repeat. I, I also your story. I really appreciate that you shared it. I thought it was really amazing that you went through this process and you kind of saw like the rejection. And you felt okay with it. It seemed like you were like, oh, yeah, this is a realization. But the pattern changes, I think, only when we run into something that is really significant that will give us a feeling that it's okay that we are ourselves. So they rejected you because you weren't yourself. But if you run into somebody who allows you to be the the weirdest, funniest, goofiest, strangest person and not flinch, then you feel more connected. You'll feel that connection, that feeling that you've never felt before. And so I think that's what changes the pattern. At least that's what happened for me because I did all the people pleasing and been frustrated throughout all my friendships, all my relationships. I moved from place to place to place, believing that all the other people were the problem, not me. But then when I ran into somebody who said, you're fine, you're okay, you're good. This was therapy, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I like the way this feels. I don't like how this is showing up in my relationship or my friendships. What did I do in therapy to change that? Oh, I did this. So I'm going to change this about myself and look and notice how the world changes around me. And so that's what that was my experience. And so that's why I do what I do as well. It's like, it's been so fulfilling and satisfying for me to have that feeling of somebody telling me that I'm enough, that I can do it for other people so that they can know what it feels like. So when they encounter situations in which they feel like they're not enough, they can refer back to the situation they experienced with me and know that they are enough and they can muster that themselves. They just know how to just need to know how to create it for themselves. And so what I do is essentially give the tools to create it. I was just going to ask that. So building off of that, what do you do to help people build these deeper relationships and friendships through your different platforms, podcasting, website, and coaching? 
Well, I, I definitely share stories about me and my experience, just like you did, because we want to be related in our experiences. Like, you got to know that I've come through, I've had these experiences, and I felt the same way you have. And here's some of the tools that I did. So I share my story in my podcast. I talk about some experiences that I've had, like fights with my girlfriend or friends, and um, some things I tried to do to develop friendships that didn't work and what I learned from those so that you can all learn from my experience. So that's my my podcast, Patterns of Possibility. I talk about those things. And then um, when I coach people, I listen to their stories and basically I tell them that they are valid. They're right about however they feel about anything because they are. I can't tell them about how, I can't change how they felt they can just express that. And I reflect back how they felt about it so that they know what they are feeling is real and genuine and true to themselves. So they take that real, genuine, true to themselves feeling, whatever value it is that they discovered about themselves. And they're like, yeah, this is me. I'm comfortable with it. They only need one person to do it for them and then they can do it for the rest of their lives. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, That makes a lot of sense. And so who is your target audience and how do you go about getting coaching clients? Well, my my target audience is the like a twenty five to forty year old, and usually male um, gamers. <laughs> but, <laughs> why why do you say gamers specifically? I mean, gamers. Like, well, because uh, online like video game gamers or others. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so easy to get caught up in in the lack of control that we feel about the world that will sink into trying to playing a game that gives us a sense of control and power and connection to people when it's not really genuine. We don't really? get to I, express our full selves. I had we no idea. To express I, had, full selves. Sorry. I had no idea that those were connected like that. Like a gamer. Yeah. It blows my mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because that's what I did. <laughs> oh, I did. okay. So you're reflecting on, it. I get it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm reflecting on it, but also I see that a lot. I, to answer Christine's question about where do I go, I look at Reddit quite a bit and I see there's a healthy gamer um, Reddit subthread and I kind of scroll through there and there's a lot of young men who are talking about how they really have no direction. They play games a whole lot. They don't know how to connect with women. Um, I'm not a coach for dating or anything, but just connection in general, you need to find your sense of self before you can connect with anybody. So there are so many people talking about how they're addicted to games and um, their feelings, expressing their feelings. A lot of people describe a scenario where they're asking for help and advice and the kind of help and advice they get are from people who are having the same problem. So I look at that and I think, well, there's nobody to provide any kind of clarity for them. It's like the blind lead the blind, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Right off the proverbial cliff. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. And so I see that and I'm just like, wow, you know, there's, and I relate to those experiences too, because I felt that way. I felt like nobody was interested in me. I had no direction. I couldn't talk to anybody. I felt like people didn't like me. And if you go there yourself and you scroll through, you can see tons and tons of people that feel that same way. And they believe that they're alone and they're not alone because there's so many people who are having the same experience in the first place. But I help out with that. I help relate to them and and help them realize that they have more control over their life than they believe. That sounds like it's such life-affirming work for you. I would think that if I was in that space, that while it would kind of stretch you 
to like learn and grow in helping to empower others that it might be very rewarding to see others turn a corner and being able to build these deep lasting connections that they haven't been able to for maybe their entire adult life. Yes, 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 yes. You hit the nail on the head right again. I'm so happy. I feel like you're, you very, you really understand me very well. Well, she is uh, Dr. Christine over here. (laughs) Dr. Christine. Yeah. I feel like she really sees and hears me. This is exactly what I do for other people. I'm lightening up because you get me. So yes. (laughs) It's because we're supposed to be besties, Coach Lee. It was just meant to be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you had me at jet plane ride. Jet ride. <laughs> so building off of what you've shared about how you empower others and how you work alongside different individuals, for our listeners that are out there that this might have piqued their curiosity or be tugging at their heart because they know it's an area where they can stretch and grow, where can they find out more about your services and your strengths that they can tap into? Absolutely. You can find me at PatternsOfPossibility.com. I have a 30-day friendship challenge, and I also have a free guide to making friendships. Essentially, it's called Journal Prompts. So I talked about how we can we talk about our stories, we talk about ourselves in order to get other people, to get to know other people. So the Journal Prompts, there's 50 Journal Prompts, and it includes um, what connection is, definitions and stuff for connection. And of course, the gist, the gist method explained. So you don't have to, you don't have to wonder what it, what it means, but it'll help you put those stories that you know about yourself, reflecting on your experiences in a format that you can share with other people. So you can find that at my website, patternsofpossibility.com. And I'm on all social media. I'm on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm out there. And of course, Reddit. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. So Coach Lee, before we wrap up, I just was wondering if you have any words of wisdom that you would like to impart with our listeners about either getting to know themselves better or making friendships that last. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I would really like to encourage you to know that your experience of feeling alone is not unique. We've just heard two people here talk about their experiences feeling like no one wanted to know us. And I believe that when you decide to speak your truth or talk about how you really feel about things, you're going to find people that really know you and you're going to find fulfillment in that. It's going to be icky. It's going to be a process, but it is going to be worth it and you can do it. So I I just want to encourage you to continue to learn more about yourself and continue to grow, continue to share and be yourself. Well, thank you so much, Coach Lee. These are definite words of wisdom, and I know that they're going to have a great impact on our listeners. And so listeners, definitely check out our show notes from today to find out more about Coach Lee and his services, as well as his podcast and his coaching. And we wish you all the best of luck in developing deep and meaningful friendships. If you love music and podcasting, now you can have both. Introducing the brand new K2 radio station, available 24-7 on the Live 365 app for free. Specializing in rock and alternative music, we're talking bands like Coldplay, Nirvana, Muse, Imagine Dragons, and yes, even the Rolling Stones. They have all stopped by to drop off songs, and we even have brand new popular tracks added every single day. Also on the free K2 radio station, we are including podcasting. Get the best of both worlds. 
Download the free Live 365 app or listen online at live365.com and type in K2 Radio. Yeah, I really love talking with Coach Lee today. I think that that was just a really fun time and not just hearing about his experience in Chicago, but thinking through how I develop friendships. And it actually made me think a lot about you. Oh, really? Do explain now. Clover and I are curious to know. Well, first of all, it made me think of you because you always tell me that you're your own best friend. I am. So that's what I've already got. Step one already out of the, uh, done taking care of. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you might have done that. But the next step is actually making other friends. Well, you know what? Sometimes you can't get past step one. <laughs> You know, I do worry about you because you tell me like other than just being like by yourself and being your own friend and having me, I just worry about like how can I get you to help build like develop some deep friendships with other people of the same sex. Like I don't want you to start going out and making best friends with like other women like that's, well, that's threatening to me. Yeah, it is. And, and I do. I do connect with both both sexes very, very easily. And very well. So I'm, I'm like the best friend to everybody, you know, so the best friend to everybody, but the deep friend to no one, because you really don't let them know the real you because you yeah. talk about like podcasting stuff and yeah, things like that. That's true. Yeah. And it was interesting. You didn't really chime in. And when I was talking with Coach Lee about friendships, why was that? Uh, you were just going. And I didn't want to, you know, steal your thunder. Or you know? did you just not want to be vulnerable? That that's probably most of it, really. You know, like I do like to hide a lot of my inner you know, self, I guess. I don't try to like, I guess the, the deep, dark me, it really, I keep your see. deep chocolate layer. Yes. My deep, it's not chocolate. It's more like, like lava, like, <laughs> not like chocolate lava, but like real lava. You know? <laughs> and I try to keep that actually very to myself. You but know? that has to be so lonely, honey. Cause you're such a nice guy. I think that if you could really open yourself up to some new friendships that do more than talk about podcasting, but like connect with you around not just your hobbies, but your history, your habits. Like Coach Lee was saying that we can help you find some really great friendships because I love being your best friend. and I love being your partner. But I think sometimes that you get lonely with just having me to talk to and the kids to talk to. I think you should. I think you need to make some more friends. Well, thanks, babe. Um, I really appreciate that. You but know. I know it's hard for you, though, because like you have your guys at work that you talk to. And yeah, but even them, they they just it just don't, they don't get like they're they're different in many different ways. So right. Because so it's, it's not deep. It, no, not just that. It's that it's that they have their world, which is completely different than my world. And it's sometimes it doesn't relate very well, you know? Yeah. So maybe we need to think about like building some friendships with couples that we both get along with so that we can like hang out and do stuff with. But then again, I think that it is good for you to have some friends. So maybe that's going to be a goal that I give you is to make some more good male friends. Okay. 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 <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. Why not? You know? Well, I think, I mean... It was a lot of good food for thought for us. And I would just, I love, I love talking with you, but I also want you to like, other than talk me, to somebody else. <laughs> well, I mean, have more people to talk to. Cause like when you get mad at me, who do you vent to? Uh, the, the Clover here. <laughs> Clover here's all my troubles. Clover's, yeah. like the, Clover's like the best like therapist. She's she, the best friend. She just hears all my, all my nonsense. And she looks at me like, huh? What? Okay. She's I so got to feed me or what? I got to feed <laughs> She's like, I listen to you. Where's my scoop of my yum yums? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And she'll say, hey, by the way, I know you don't want to hear this right now, Dad, but uh, I'll have the present for you on the carpet. 
it's, it's from me to you because I love so you. Funny. I love you so much. Clover Bear. She's so cute over there. Well, I did learn a lot from our conversation with Coach Lee today, and I hope that our listeners did too, and they can take some of what he said to help them in their relationships with themselves and with others to just have deeper and meaningful connections. Don't you? Absolutely, babe. You got anything else, honey? Nope. I just think that uh, definitely look at our show notes and learn more about Coach Lee and his background and... Uh, Chris already plugged where you can find more about K2 Radio. But in case you missed it, uh, plug it all. But the- K2 Radio, Podtastic Audio, and this show you can find about find out about it on our website, which is kristinkristineshow.com. And definitely uh, subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And we'll be back with you next, next week. week.